Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. I think, you know, this fall, it's been interesting as I started a series called Becoming More Human. So you'll see that as a monthly series that we're doing. Also kind of interspersing some of the experts that we usually bring in, you know, kind of the innovators in education or people that are thinking different. So you'll see some of those podcasts. And then we're picking up a new leadership lessons from Lasso that we started from season one that so now that season's two over is we're going to pick up again and so you're going to see there is no great planning with my podcast it's just great conversations with great friends who are doing interesting things and I'm with one of my best friends today Lynn Swanner so Lynn season two's over I have no idea where you're going to take us where you're going to go, but you're kicking us off with, you know, kind of this next installment of leadership lessons from Lasso. What, what came across to you? I know we've talked about this, but what came across to you and, and what's on your mind as you think about like leadership as you watch that show? Yeah, it's, it's actually funny, Eric, because my husband was at a leadership meeting for his industry last week, and a lot of the speakers used Ted Lasso quotes and bits of the storylines. And a couple of times, when a speaker would say something about the end of season two, people would start yelling, hey, no spoilers. We haven't finished it yet. So I want to be sensitive to the fact that some listeners may not have made it all the way through to season two. So I'll kind of talk a little bit about the arc, but I won't give any spoilers for that just in case. But um, so along those lines, I actually picked a line from season one that I've been thinking about for a while now. And then again, it it carries into season two, the arc from that line. Uh, But it's a scene from that season that literally everyone remembers, but there's a line in that scene that absolutely no one remembers. And to me, this is really interesting because one of the things that really makes the writing for Ted Lasso so amazing is kind of this economy of language, right? So every word has meaning. There there are no throwaway lines. And so this line in this scene, which I'll share in a minute, is a really amazing line because it's sandwiched between kind of two dramatic takes. So you don't really notice it. But I think it's actually a really beautiful metaphor about leadership, uh, especially when we look at what it's what is sandwiched between. So just to take us back to season one, episode two, the scene is when uh, Keely peels into the stadium parking lot. She jumps out of the car and with zero context, just asks Ted and Rebecca, which would you rather be a lion or a panda? And obviously there are no context clues. So it just sounds like a personality quiz of some kind. And she's obviously, she's really asking like what costume she should wear for a photo shoot later on, but we don't know that yet. And the way most people remember this scene playing out is that Ted responds and says he wants to be a panda. And then Rebecca comes out and fires back that, no, the answer is a lion because they're rulers of the jungle. And she makes this funny joke, and I need to censor it a little bit, which is, what is black and white and red all over? And uh, the answer from her is a panda that gets anywhere near a lion. And later in the episode, Ted figures out, of course, that this was all about costumes for photo shoot. He realizes that the lion was the right choice and pandas would have looked ridiculous. So that's how most people remember the scene. And there's even like whole podcasts on the scene. Um, There's even the cast of the show. Somebody did, you know, going through the cast and say, what would you rather be a lion or a panda? But there's this line in the middle that no one remembers it. You can actually find the scene on YouTube and and rewatch it if you don't believe me. And so when Rebecca fires back at Ted and says, you're mad for choosing the panda because the lion's the rule of the jungle, 
Ted's reply is, try telling that to an elephant. And then he goes, ooh, can I be an elephant? And Keely like shakes her head and goes, no, only a lion or a panda. And then we get to the black and white and red all over joke. And so nobody remembers that line, but it really stuck with me, especially when I rewatched the scene. Um, and it really clicked for me when I heard some podcasts about the line versus the panda thing is about leadership. So some people say Ted chose the panda. That's more his style. Rebecca chose a line. It's more her style. But I think there is a leadership lesson here. So if we look at lions and pandas as kind of on um, two ends of a spectrum, right? Like the lion is just super aggressive and the panda is just very passive, that really neither of those are good models for leadership. And even putting them on a continuum, like you have to choose one or the other is not a good dynamic either. But, you know, actually so often leaders do gravitate to one another or what's even worse, we can vastly between, between one another. And so... Um, Without giving, and I might totally be overthinking this, right? Again, economy of language, but, um, you know, without giving away too many details from season two, if you start thinking about it, the main characters who are going down the wrong path, if you think about me, they're sort of stuck in this lion versus panda conundrum. And so to me, the question was, okay, well, what about Ted's suggestion? Is it a throwaway option or is it really a, a third, a third, is it a throwaway line or is it a third option? So I did some really sophisticated research, aka I searched on Google for uh, characteristics of elephants. And uh, this is, this is what I found. Um, elephants obviously have a reputation for being really smart. And of course, they're the largest land mammal. So not a lot of predators mess with them, but they're also very caring. They form deep emotional attachments and they've seen elephants actually grieve when other elephants die in their herd. And that's why we say that elephants never forget. That's the origin of that. And so they're actually kind of this balance between the intimidating lion type and the caring panda. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. But just a couple of other interesting facts about elephants. And, and this sort of made me think, OK, I don't think this was throwing line. So elephant herds, not a lot of people know this, but they're led by a matriarch. And so that's really interesting analogy for Richmond uh, with Rebecca as the owner. And I think, uh, you know, as I really thought about this, particularly for women leaders, the panda versus line approach is really real, right? I mean, these are the stereotypes that women sometimes play into. These are the stereotypes that are said about women. So, you know, trying to be really assertive and own the right to lead versus trying to appear agreeable and not overly bossy. So I think that's a conundrum that women face in leadership all the time. This is something that we have to grapple about. And I don't think it's unique to women, but I think it is something that is very, um, that is very characteristic of what it looks like to be a woman in leadership. So maybe this elephant typology offers another approach for all leaders, but also potentially for women. And so, you know, sort of diving into their, their personality and their style a little more, you know, yes, elephants are big and they're strong, but that, keeps predators away, but really it's their herd behavior. That's their main defense. So you've got this huge animal bigger than other, any other land animal, but they don't rely on that. They don't rely on that just to protect themselves. They're thinking about how they can protect the herd. So again, really scientific research, AKA Google. Uh, so scientists have done research with herds of elephants. And what they do is they, this is cool. They play sounds of lions and they watch their responses. And what they've noticed is that when they play these lion sounds, the more experienced female elephants sense danger really quickly and they warn, warn the herd. So they group up 
Uh, they have this high degree of predator awareness. And this is really important because younger elephants, we think about emerging leaders, can tend to wander off and maybe aren't as attuned to danger. And really interestingly, I don't know how they reached this conclusion, but this was one of the studies. They found that when more than one lion roar was played at the same time, so it looked like there are multiple lions, what they found is that uh, the degree of anxiety in the matriarch was much higher. And so what they said about that finding is that elephants actually can judge the weakness of their, their herd, of their team, and then they can find appropriate strategies to deal with it. So again, it's this herd mentality, this team mentality, where they, their safety, their well-being, it's all tied to the flourishing and the well-being of, of the other members of the herd. So, all right, we've talked about elephants, draw it back to Ted Lasso and wrap it up. Um, you know, if we look at all the characters on Ted Lasso who are growing in positive ways through one and two, we actually see them on this pendulum, right? You think of Roy, who starts out like a lion and moves more towards a panda and he's trying to find kind of this middle ground or Keely who starts out like a panda and really gets pushed around. And now she's kind of moving towards being the boss. And is she going to be more of a lion? What does that look like? She actually asked that question. What does this look like? Or even something as silly as like Ted Lasso, the panda versus Led Tasso, the lion, right? <laughs> and I think Ted's relationship with Sharon is a good example of navigating strength and weaknesses. Then of course there's Rebecca and you can see her on that arc as well. And I think all of them in their own way come into this realization that this thing called leadership, this thing called being a part of a team is maybe more complicated than what they thought. And in their own ways, they're trying to get off the seesaw and they're trying to get to a healthy place of being strong in themselves as leaders, but also being vulnerable, especially to the others who care about them. So their team or their herd. So again, becoming strong is important, but then caring for the well-being of others and seeing each other's flourishing. So I think at the real risk of overthinking this, which is probably too late at this point, but I think that Ted's question, you know, can I be an elephant? I, I think that's a real question for him and the other characters. The, I think the question is, and we see this arc through one and into two, is can they really be a part of this team? Can they really lead themselves? And can they lead each other well from a place of personal strength, but also uh, interdependence with others? So I've had people say, what would you rather be, a lion or a panda? And I think like Ted, we need to just reject that duality and say, can I be an elephant? I love it. I love it because number one is you're right. It's it's totally missed, right? You know, when people think about that conversation and some of those things. And so it is that the intentionality of placing that there and for you to catch that and to think about that is is phenomenal. I think maybe like there's so many different directions we could go, but a follow-up question, especially in a profession like education that is heavily female per se, you brought that up. And then in, in school leadership, um, you know, overall, you know, it tends to be female, but not as fully representative of the profession as a whole. And then you bring out the dichotomy of kind of those expectations between the lion and the panda. Like what, what is, you know, as you think about it and even in your leadership, but then as you've, you've encouraged and supported and, and, and watched other women in leadership and use Keely and use Rebecca and all those different people in the, in the, in the show, but like, what would be some encouragement for school leaders who, who are women who are trying to think about a different way of leadership or maybe even a better kind of picture of it than what they've been given? 
Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I think that one of the really cool things about Ted Lasso is that it really bucks a lot of the sort of typical stereotypical views of, of male and women leaders. So, I mean, it puts it out there, right? So you see Rebecca's statement about what it's like for her to go to a, a, a meeting of all the owners and it's all men. So, I mean, it acknowledges, it acknowledges that these things exist, but then in a lot of ways, the, the show puts forth a different way. And I think that's really what my encouragement from the show is, is saying, okay, here's the reality, but let's, let's go for a different way. And really interesting. I think that if anything, the show leans towards, um, helping the men kind of understand a little bit more and, and maybe change some of their own ways of doing things and, and, and encourage men to be on the same journey as opposed to just, okay, women, here's a different way of being, or here's a different way of leading. So like, for example, if we look at like, if we accept this kind of continuum of, you know, uh, lion versus panda, you know, the, the person who's failing spectacularly at this, you know, everybody's, everybody's been on this journey is, is Nate. You know, it's, it's a man who is, is really, really struggling with this. And, you know, I think all of us would agree, like if he doesn't find a way to get off of that, you know, there's not going to be, there needs to be some type of redemption for him and he's going to have to get off of, off of that um, continuum. So I, I love that about the show that it's really, it's acknowledging the challenges that are in the workplace um, that are gender uh, related, but it's also saying, Hey, this is actually a problem that we all have. This is not just a problem for women's leadership. This is, this is a problem about what it looks like to actually lead in, in the workplace. You know, some of the um, encouragements that I would have, I think, as I think about leadership, I think it really is, and I, I hate the word finding, I hate the word balance. I would say more integration. It's sort of integrating, because I think balance is like, I think it's a really stick. It's a, it's a tight spot that we could get ourselves into to be in balance. And then you're off balance. I don't like that. So we could say integrated. I think it really is integrating this kind of ability to step up and to lead and to cast vision, but then also being vulnerable and admitting weakness. Um, and, you know, it's interesting just to tie it back to some of the research I've done on flourishing schools. You know, one of the main constructs that we found that's correlated with flourishing is leadership interdependence. And so that's where leaders, and this includes the board too. So it's the leadership team, it's the board. They have these diverse backgrounds. They're coming from different places and they're transparent about their weaknesses and they rely on others to offset their weaknesses. And we have data to show that that actually contributes to flourishing in schools. And so I think that is a really, is a really key piece. You know, it's not a great hero or person out in front leading, whether it's a man or a woman, it really is this leadership uh, interdependence. And I think, you know, from my work too, you know, as someone who supports the, the Christian education sector, and I think in our work that we've done with sustainability in Christian schools, uh, and also other work with flourishing schools, just are schools playing the lion? Are they playing the panda? You know, our associations or our organizations, I mean, this gets really real, really fast. Like, do we grieve when someone isn't doing well or faces challenges? Are, are we thinking about how we can leverage our strengths? Can we join together? I mean, just there are real dangers, right? There are dangers that we face if they're cultural or spiritual or legal or whatever. But how do we as a sector, as a group of schools and as a sector actually function as a team? And I think the, the last thing I would say is that, um, you know, elephants don't become any weaker or smaller 
because they're functioning as a member of a herd. It's not like they're diminished when they're caring for the well-being of others. And I think that's the fear sometimes, right? And I think fundamentally that's Nate's mistake. That's his mistake. You know, in order for him to be part of a team and care for others, that means he's going to be less than. And we don't want to be like Nate, you know, but instead of like from a position of our of our own strength, um, leaders, Christian schools, organizations, how can we contribute to and ensure that everyone in the herd or on the team is flourishing together? Lynn, incredible, incredible. So thank you for number one, pointing out something that I think most people would miss. Second, picking the elephant because my favorite animal. Um, Three is, is, you know, just that idea of then just tying it into some of the things that you've discovered in your own research on schools and, and what allows schools to flourish. And, and I think that interde- interdependence um, and then the herd kind of that you talked about. And then I love that last statement that you made about just, you know, what the elephant doesn't shrink it, in their leadership within the herd that becomes part of who they are and it remains a part of who they are. So Lynn, incredible, no idea where you were taking it and it was awesome. So thank you. Great. Thank you. And you have one more thing in common with Ted Lasso if your favorite animals and elephants. So we, you need to go be elephants. Be elephants. <laughs>